This is the Word of God, Acts chapter 5, verses 33 through 42. When they heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee, a council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do to these men. For before these days, Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody. And about 400 men joined him and he was killed and all the followers were dispersed and it came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some. And he too perished and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men. Leave them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to sing the hymn of heaven more and more. Lord, I, th I think we could probably sing that song all morning. With the angels and the saints around your throne, singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. God, we long for heaven. We long for it. It's the great promotion. It's the great door that leads to eternal life. And yet, Lord, we have eternal life now inside of our hearts. We have Jesus alive, risen from the dead inside of us. So we admit that even now we have heaven inside of our hearts. And we, our hearts beat for Jesus. And so Lord, we're not in heaven yet, so we need grace. Grace that is greater than all of our sin. Grace that rains down on us, that moves us to be courageous and strong. To be full of gratitude. And strength to stand with Jesus Christ when the anger of men does its worst and when death is threatened. Lord, the strength to stand. We need that grace today. We need that grace this week. We need that grace in our society right now. We need grace as Christians to stand and God give us that unexplainable joy. That we are worthy, counted worthy to suffer for your name. So, 
God, do heart surgery on us this morning. We've got communion. It's a beautiful morning to respond to you. Give us grace. Bring it all together for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So good morning and welcome again. My name is Josh, preaching pastor here at Living Waters, and so thankful that you're here with us this morning. On Memorial Day weekend, God is good. Uh, our sermon series is The Thriving Church. We're studying through the book of Acts. We're continuing our journey there, and my sermon title is The Name Above All Names. This is the second part. It's the same title as last week, second part. And by God's grace, I hope you'll be so encouraged, so encouraged by the Word of God this morning to walk by grace as we represent Jesus to the nations and to our neighborhoods. So I want to just get right to it because it is communion Sunday and we want to get to the communion table together. But look with me at verse 40 and verse 41. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let him go. And then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. The response of the apostles is absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's shocking. They are rejoicing for getting beaten. And all God's people said, that's weird. And all God's people said, give me another one, I guess, right? Give me another lash. I, I love the lash. I love the beating. Give it to me some more and, you know, put a little more on it next time. That's weird. How in the world do they do that? Rejoicing at getting beaten? How? Rejoicing in your pain? What? They are thankful that they were counted worthy to suffer. How? How in the world do they have this kind of mindset? What is with these guys anyway? I mean, there's lots of different reasons for why they would respond in such a way. One, were they just the special ones, right? Were they just the really special Christians? that could respond this way, that wouldn't be possible for us. I mean, they must be the specials, right? Did they just have an iron will? They got through it through grit and guts, and that's how they, you know, got into this situation, and they just pulled themselves up by their Jesus bootstraps, amen? Just did it. Or maybe they're just crazy. Can I get a witness? Maybe they're just crazy. Maybe they're just a loco. Right? Muy loco. Crazy people. And they are just wild. That's not the answer. The answer is the apostles can stand before the people who are beating them and threatening them, and they can stand with joy because of the grace of God. It is the grace of God. The grace of God carries them in the moment. They didn't have the strengths, they didn't have the abilities. But God's grace influenced them in such a way that it gave them the ability to do it. It is the grace of God that challenges them and pushes them and stirs them. Have you ever gotten into a situation where you are like, I think I can do that thing. And then you get into that thing and you're like, I cannot do that thing. 
I remember as a little kid, I, I saw the diving board. And I'm like, ah, piece of cake. I could do that. And then, do you remember the first time you stepped onto the diving board? I remember. I got up there, and there's, there's a line of about 30 of kids behind me. And I get up there, and I'm like, I think I'm in over my head. I think, yep, is that fear? That's definitely fear. And I got up there, and I looked, and I'm telling you, it looked like a mile down into the water. And I thought, I am not, I am not, I am not good enough for this. I can't do this. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then you turn around, and all the kids are like, come on, hurry up, man. I'm just this little petrified little kid. I'm sure my swimming trunks were shaking in the wind, you know, and just uh, maybe more things were going on in the wind. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But I remember um, having to take the walk of shame back down the diving board because I couldn't do it. And then I was like, I'm never doing that again. And what happened? Well, my mom got out there eventually, and then my swimming instructor got out there, and you jump to a person, right? Remember that? Like, that's how you do it. Unless you're just like this super brave kid, which I was not, you just have somebody there to catch you. And you're like, okay, that is grace, right? That's the sufficient grace of God here to catch me when I jump. How do you make it through the Christian life? What if someone is up in your face threatening you for your faith in Jesus Christ? What if you're being persecuted? What if you are being threatened? How do you get through that? The answer is the grace of God. You don't have the resources to do it. And I want to just land that word at the beginning of the sermon. You and I do not have the resources in and of ourselves to stand before persecution. We, have, we do not have it. If you try to endure persecution by your own strength, you are going to fail and fall every single time. Only the grace of God can lift you up and make you bold and give you that ability to stand up against persecution. And make no mistake, persecution is coming, church. It's coming. It's already here in a lot of ways. Early Christians are getting crucified. They're getting thrown to the lions in the Colosseum of Rome. And they're standing with Jesus. And, and most Christians today in America are like, I can't tweet that because people won't like me. I can't stand for Jesus because I might get a little bit of flack. I might get yelled at. People might not enjoy my presence all the time. And, and we need to wake up. The church needs to wake up that if we try to stand for Jesus on our own strength, we will fail. And our flesh is naturally just going to move towards being sufficient. I'm sufficient. You are not sufficient for what is coming down the pike in your Christian life. Do you ever feel like the Christian life is just one test after another test after another test? Can I get an amen? When are these going to stop? They're not going to stop. They're going to keep coming in frequency and in intensity so that you might come to the end of yourself and you might see that it's the grace of God that will be the only sufficient source. Because when the grace of God comes, the grace of God moves in the heart and mind of a Christian to stand for the name. The name. Who's that name? Jesus is that name. 
Grace comes down on the apostles and they stand for the name of Christ. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. Acts chapter 4 verse 33, the church says, great grace, mega grace was on them all. If you remember the message from a few weeks ago, mega grace came upon the church. That is how they made disciples. That's how they discipled the nations. That's how they shared the gospel. Big grace came upon them all. And that continued throughout Acts chapter 4 and chapter 5. And it leads Peter in verses 29 through 32 by the power of grace. Peter stands in front of the Sanhedrin and he says, you killed Jesus. All God's people give Peter a courageous amen, right? That's pretty courageous. You killed Jesus, the Sanhedrin, 70 men and the high priest, 71. Sadducees and Pharisees, he stands right before them and he says, you guys did it. Jesus is the Christ and you must repent. Repentance is to be given to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. So my big idea this morning is this, as Christianity began, kept growing and expanding, God continued to give grace to the apostles, which resulted in the ability to trust in the name of Jesus. As Christianity continued to grow and expand, God continued to give grace to the apostles, and this resulted in the ability to trust in the name of Jesus. So this is all grace. Your whole Christian life is grace. Did you know that, Christian? You're here because of grace. Like you're here on Memorial Day weekend. You're here because of grace. Amen? You know, pastors' conversations leading up to holiday weekends is like, hey, pastor, love you, but, right? Like I've had that conversation like dozens of times this week. Hey, pastor, love you, but we're going here, there, and everywhere. And that's okay. It's fine. No rule about that. But I'm just like, I think we're going to have one person at church. (laughs) We had a lot more than one person at 8.30 service. Hallelujah. We got more than one person here at at 10 a.m. So you know you're here by God's grace. Amen. God, God wants you here. God brought you here. Why did he bring you here? So that you can see that it's all grace. Everything is grace. Grace moves in your life so that you will stand with the name of Jesus. So even when you're like, well, I showed courage. I did the thing. I stood like the apostles did. You did that because God was gracious to you. It's grace that keeps us going. Grace that keeps us standing. And Jesus said it in John 15, 20. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. It's going to happen. And if if you're going to be announced with my name, they're going to be handing you over to synagogues and prisons and you'll be brought by kings and governors for my name's sake. You're going to be brought to all these places and it's going to be grace that's going to allow you to stand with my name. So are these apostles just superhuman? They're standing before the Sanhedrin or are they special? No, they were specially anointed by the grace of God and God still does the same thing today. You don't have to be an apostle to receive these grace abilities. They had these abilities given to them by the grace of God to stand for the name of Jesus. And I'm going to lay out four grace abilities that God gave the apostles and he gives us as Christians still today. Four grace abilities 
that will enable you to stand for the name of Jesus, especially when it gets hard. All right, first grace ability in verse 33 is this, to withstand hot anger. The first ability that God gave by grace to the apostles was to uh, the ability to withstand hot anger. Verse 33, when they heard this, they were enraged and they wanted to kill them. Okay, they, the they there is the Sanhedrin, 70 ruling members of the nation of Israel split fairly evenly between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And this group was enraged and and wanting to kill the apostles. A couple things here. In the Greek, it means that their minds and souls were cut open, which basically means they were wearing their emotions on their sleeves. And they were so angry at the apostles, 20,000 plus, probably closer to 30 to 40,000 followers of Jesus in the city now, messing up their lives. How many of you like your lives messed up? No, we don't like that. Even more so if you're a ruler of Israel and you are watching over the Old Testament and all of a sudden this Jesus guy gets in the way and all of a sudden you are angry. Now they are, how angry are they? The word means seething. Everybody show your teeth. Parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you look at your kids, stop it. Stop it, I told you to behave. Like that's, that's the kind of anger. Now, I've had coaches, I've had people over the years have this kind of hot anger at me, right? Like it's happened. It's happened to you before. You've either been the recipient of hot anger or you've been given the hot anger. You've been giving and receiving, maybe. We've all had that, right? We've had somebody in our face yelling at us. Most of the time, it has to do with something with our job, something with some sort of sports outcome of a team that we cheer for, or some sort of money issue, you know, where things get really heated and you got to like endure the hot anger. That is not fun. I would guess none of us have our lives on the line. The apostles are looking at seething anger from the leaders of Israel, gnashing their teeth at them with anger, and the apostles are going to die. That's how angry they are about Jesus. This is the Sanhedrin. The Sadducees are probably the most angry out of the two parties. And the Sadducees, they had the high priest in their pocket, right? The high priest that led the whole thing was a, was a uh, Sadducee. The Sadducees were very passionate about being against the apostles. What was their worldview? If you think about them split up as a Senate or a House of Representatives, the Sadducees would be the more liberal branch, right? They would be the liberals. They would be the, the open-minded ones. They would be the ones who are like, yeah, we don't need the word of God. We don't need... Uh, you know, supernatural things. We don't believe in the resurrection. We don't believe in certain things. We believe in the progressive nature of Israel. And we are not pro-Israel. We are pro-Rome. We're pro-global society, right? That's the Sadducees. They hate, hate Jesus. Now, the Pharisees are a lot more conservative. Right? Don't you wish we had a system that kind of related the Pharisee is much more conservative. Let's, let's follow the Bible. We believe in the supernatural. We believe in 
Israel, we're very nationalistic. The Pharisees are very national, you know, protect our borders. Let's do that stuff. Let's be that way. Gamaliel is a Pharisee. He's going to come to the rescue of the apostles here in a little bit. But the Sadducees are on the other end and they are just ready to kill. They are ready to just absolutely take Jesus followers and wipe them out. Now, what allows them to withstand that hot anger? The grace of God. There's not one verse that says that the apostles are fighting for their way. They're, very, they're quiet, just as Jesus was before his accusers. And they have this grace given to them to withstand hot anger. And if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to walk with Jesus, you got to be ready for some hot anger heading your way. And when you stand for Christ and the hot anger comes, the grace of God is what you're going to need to lean on at that moment to just withstand it and take it. Sometimes as a Christian, you just have to take it. And may the grace of God be what allows you to have that ability. It's a grace ability. The second grace ability is not only enduring or withstanding hot anger, but the second one is enduring cold logic. Okay, so there's hot and cold here. Cold logic comes from Gamaliel in verse 34 through 39. A teacher of the law held in honor by all the people. Now Gamaliel gets up and he says, men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do to these men. And then he talks about two examples. One is Theudas and the other is Judas. And, and Gamaliel's playing it real cool, man. He is the guy that's the respected teacher of the law. He is a Pharisee. He is absolutely legendary in his status as a professor of religion. And he's really cool. He's got the logic. He's like, guys, listen here. Before you start killing all these people, before you kill these guys, I want you to think about this. And then he gives a history lesson. And then he diffuses the passion to kill the apostles. And he does so by giving a history lesson and then an exhortation Saying, look, if this is from man, it's not going to last. If it's from God, it'll last. Now, who's Gamaliel? He's part of the Pharisee group. Now, he's so smart and he's so well-known that the historian Josephus, the Jewish historian of that day, would write about Gamaliel at his death in AD 58. He said, Israel has lost one of its greatest theologians and one of its best thinkers. And, and the richness of theology in Israel is now gone. He died 12 years before Rome was, or Jerusalem was sacked by Rome, and Gamaliel was a mover and shaker. Now, Gamaliel is probably most famous for who his student was. Gamaliel had one student that rose above the rest, and his name was Saul of Tarsus. You're talking about the Apostle Paul's teacher right here talking. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. So the Apostle Paul was, was learned underneath Gamaliel, Acts 22, verse 3. Paul talks about how Gamaliel was his professor, his teacher. And this teacher of Paul is going to stand up and he says, look, take care of what you're about to do to these men. Now that word in Greek is really interesting. Take care means to take care of a boat as it comes in from the water onto the, uh, the harbor, right? Now, if you've ever taken a boat out, you know how important it is to not let the boat hit the dock. Can I get an amen? My father-in-law had a boat, and as Daniel and I were dating and we were newlyweds, we would always come off the water to the dock, and it was imperative 
that the son-in-law be, or one of his sons, but the son-in-law is better, right? You know, normally. Get out there and do this, right? You know, like, because like, if you get that dock, you got to get that dock before the boat does. Because no marks go on that boat. Because if marks go on that boat, marks could go on son-in-law. And we don't want that. That's the idea, right? That's the word he's using. Take care. The boat's coming in. The boat's coming in. Take care of what you do to these guys. Now, he mentions two historical things. One is Theodos. There's not much historical record about Theodos, but he had 400 followers. And, and Gamaliel's making the point, look, that guy had 400 people and he died and everybody scattered. No big deal. And then he uses Judas the Galilean as an example next, who during the time of the census, when Jesus was born, he led a rebellion because he didn't want to be taxed by Rome. And he led this rebellion and that led to the establishment of the zealots. You remember Simon the zealot who followed Jesus? Like that is who came from Judas the Galilean. And Gamaliel references that and says, well, you remember that. But that, that also came to nothing. So what is his cool logic here? He's basically just saying, look, if it's of man, it's not going to last. Is this a little different? Yeah, it's a lot different. These apostles are leading 20 to 40,000 people at this point. This is not 400. This is not a small following. This is a big thing. But Gamaliel's poo-pooing it and just saying, guys, look, listen to my wisdom. If this is of man, it's going to be of man. If it's of God, yeah, it's going to be of God. And you're not going to be able to stop it. And, And don't be opposing God. Now, look. Gamaliel's cool logic, it worked. It saved the apostles' lives. Hallelujah. That's good. But Gamaliel did not believe in Jesus. He did not believe. Had he been open to believing in Jesus, he would have said, hey, we need to, we need to do like an investigation on this Jesus. Did he really rise from the dead? We need to interview people. Let's, let's figure out if this is legit. Is this the Messiah? But he didn't. He just poo-pooed the whole thing. He went... Well, in that he saved the apostle's life, but he didn't go far enough. It's tragic. He didn't go far enough to believe in Christ. Now, why do I say cool logic? What were the apostles doing during this time? They were outside of the room. At the very beginning, Gamaliel asked for them to be removed from the room. And they have to go outside the room and sit. And their lives are dependent upon an unbelieving Pharisee. Can you imagine the amount of trust you have to have in God when you're pulled out of the room, your life is on the line, and only, the only person you can trust is God? Have you ever been pulled out of a room before so that people can talk about your job? Yeah, some of you have. It's super uncomfortable. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's happened to me before. It's happened to some of you where you're like, hey, we would like you to leave the room because we'd like to talk about you, actually. Now, that's just regarding a job. That's not like your life is on the line. And if you come back and we decide a certain way, you're dead. That is the grace that God gives the apostles. The grace to endure cold logic. And praise the Lord that they trusted God in the quiet place. And if I could just apply it really quick to your life, you're going to have to trust God in the quiet place. Amen? There's going to be certain moments in your life where you don't have a lot of control. Everybody else is controlling your life and and God is going to put you in a place where you're alone in a quiet spot and you have to trust him. You have to trust. And the only way you're going to trust God in that moment is if you have the grace of God. Lean on the grace of God. 
Grace ability number three is to rejoice in physical beatings. Rejoice in physical beatings. So they beat them in verse 40, charged them not to speak in Jesus. And then they went rejoicing and they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. This grace ability is when Christians are given the ability to rejoice in God, even when their physical body is being persecuted for the name of Jesus. Now, what kind of beating did they get? The Sanhedrin beat and thrashed the apostles with 40 lashes minus one. How do I know that number? Well, because I went through it myself. No, I didn't. I actually did not. 40 lashes minus one is the Apostle Paul telling us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. The Apostle Paul had to endure these lashings as well. And the, the Sanhedrin comes together and they decide we're just going to beat them. And we're going to give them the lashing that Deuteronomy chapter 25 verses 2 and 3 calls for. If they're disobedient to their religious leaders, they are eligible for the lashing. The lashing is the same lashing that Jesus got before he was crucified on the cross. So each one of them gets 39 lashes on the back or on the body. And they come out of there rejoicing. That is amazing grace. Whenever I have been hit or gotten into a fight or gotten into a, a physical altercation, I have not come away singing, oh, happy day. Oh. I mean, that's not, that's not how I, I, I'm normally plotting one of two things. I'm plotting my revenge if I lost or I'm rejoicing that I won. But I'm not rejoicing in Jesus for the privilege and the pleasure of the physical persecution that comes. That is amazing grace. When you're suffering for the name of Jesus, it is unexplainable. It is glorious, full of glory. The world cannot explain a Christian's joy. And you're like, well, how am I going to do that? What if it gets physical for me? The answer is you don't get the answer before it happens. If it gets physical, you have to trust that God will give you the grace to rejoice in that moment. I guarantee you those apostles did not sit there and, you know, like as they're waiting in the hallway while Gamaliel's talking, they're like, okay, guys, if we get beat here, like here's the plan. We're going to endure it. It's going to hurt really bad. But then on the count of three, all of us are going to laugh and rejoice on the way out. You got that? Okay, ready, set, go. Team, one, two, three, team. Like that's not how it went. They were trusting in the grace of God. It was in the moment that they felt this joy. They jumped for joy. Jesus said it in Matthew 5, Blessed are, the, are you when men persecute you and speak all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice in that day. Peter, as an older man, wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 14, probably thinking back to this very situation. He said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is being revealed. For if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 
as C.S. Lewis said it in his famous autobiography, surprised by joy. I think you'll be surprised by joy whenever you're persecuted. And that's a hard thing. But it's the grace of God. And it's this grace ability that comes upon the apostles right when they needed it. The fourth and final grace ability, and this will be my shortest point for sure, is the ability to persevere in obedience. The ability to persevere in obedience. This last grace ability that God gave the apostles was this ability to persevere in obedience for the name. So in verse 42, it says, Every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Jesus is the Christ, or that the Christ is Jesus. Now, the name of the empowered apostles was to obey God. They came out of that saying, not only are we joyful that we get to be identified with our crucified Lord, but we also need to keep this thing going. So every day, they keep preaching and teaching. I don't know about you, but I'm probably looking for a few days off, right? Like, that hurt really bad. It's probably time to just sit in the living room for a while, maybe get some you know, consoling letters from other Christians saying, wow, look what you did for Jesus. That's so amazing. Play some video games, hang out, watch a movie or two, not get right back out there. I mean, get right back out there. Are you kidding me? Like, like I think I would have this natural fleshly reaction to just cease and stop, but they didn't cease or stop. They kept going. They kept going. How often? Every day. They kept preaching the gospel both in big circles and in small circles. And this is the power of God. This is the power of God. How do you know you're being graced with the powerful grace of Jesus? You keep preaching. You keep telling people about Jesus. In your pain and through your tears, you keep telling people this is the greatest news in the world. You keep thinking about the hymn of heaven song. And you think about that throne room and you think about what's going to come and how short this life is and you keep preaching the gospel. You don't stop. You don't cease. You keep going. It's against your flesh. It's against natural rhythms, but it's, it's in right in step with the grace of God to keep going and keep preaching. And I want to tell you as a church, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of the gospel opportunities I have heard about even in the last two weeks. It's been amazing. Pastor, I did this. I witnessed over here. I did this. I shared the gospel here. I prayed for this person. God gave me the opportunity to do this. And it's been amazing to watch. God is at work in our church. Praise the Lord. And some of the people who are our best witnesses are going through the hardest things. They're going through the deepest valleys and the hardest trials. And they're like, I have never been more compelled in my life to share Jesus. Paul said it to Timothy this way, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience. As Christianity continued to grow and expand, God gave even greater grace to those who were his apostles and ability to trust in the name of Jesus. So, grace is going to do it. Grace is going to give you that ability to withstand hot anger, to endure cold logic, to rejoice after physical beatings, and to persevere in obedience. So now we go to communion. Wow, we get to go to communion after this. This is so, this is so amazing, right? 
the grace of God coming to us in communion, the elements, the perfect life of Christ, the sacrificial death of Jesus. And it just begs the question, how much is he worth to you? What kind of grace does God want to pour out into your life right now? Christian, it's time to confess your sins. It's time to get things right. It's time to give God your biggest burdens and ask his grace to surround you in these areas. And for some of you, you're not saved, so communion is a perfect time to get saved. Don't even go back and get the elements. Just receive Christ right where you're at. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. But this is our moment to remember and rejoice in Jesus and all that he's done. I'm going to pray. After I pray, we'll go get our elements. After we get our elements, we'll come back and sit down and just have moments of meditation, confession, worship, prayer, all those things. And then after that, uh, we will participate in communion together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that it's sufficient. It's right on time. It allows us to stand for the name of Jesus, no matter what comes. God, I pray for some of those Christians right now who are in need of that grace. Grace to stand against hot anger. Grace to really lean into this cold logic and just trust you in the quiet moment. Lord, grace to rejoice, to have joy in our sufferings. Lord, that's a grace that only comes from heaven. And Lord, grace to keep going, grace to keep preaching, grace to keep teaching. Lord, give our church that grace today. Lord, we look forward to communion, Jesus celebrating all that you are and all that you've done. Give us incredible connection with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.